Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that it turns out that alcohol doesn't actually make you forget anything when you're blackout drunk. Instead, your brain temporarily loses the ability to create memories. That's kind of sad. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Today's guest is none other than my friend James Swanwick, who's an ESPN Sports Center anchor, a co-founder of Croc Media. He runs the James Swanwick Show podcast and the Alpha Male Club. And he's been in TV and print for about 20 years. He's interviewed guys like Al Gore, who actually invented the internet, uh, and Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Hugh Hefner, all of whom Al Gore actually invented, as I understand, which is awesome. And he's been in AP and uh, The Sun and a whole bunch of other magazines. It's basically, he's like the, what do they call it? My grandma would say, James, that you're the bee's knees. Is this actually true? <laughs> the bee's knees. I like that. That's good. We'll run with that, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. I mean, uh, we, we've chatted before, and I'm always happy to have you on. So uh, th- thanks, for, uh, thanks for showing up and being here and telling us your story. So uh, today, I, I want to talk about 
your background, because essentially you're an ass kicker on, on multiple things. You've succeeded over and over and over. People who listen to Bulletproof Radio want to know how do you do that. And so I want to kind of peel back the layers of what you do. Uh, not so much as, you know, how do you have a successful podcast? There's all sorts of podcasts about how to have a successful podcast about how to have a successful podcast. Uh, what we're talking about here is actually more about like, how do you get the energy to be an entrepreneur and, and to do the high energy things you do and to do it for 20 years straight. So let's talk. How'd you get into this in the first place? Thanks, Dave. Great to be here again. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Brisbane, Australia. You can tell I got a funny accent here. So uh, and we're very geographically cut off from the rest of the world down there. So uh, all Australians around their early 20s, they have this insatiable desire to go and see the world because we're, we're the land down under. We're so cut off from everywhere else. So in my early 20s, I, I kind of set fire to my career, which was I was a, a newspaper reporter for a, a Rupert Murdoch broadsheet. And I flew over to London um, where they give Australians two-year working visas. And I decided I was going to just see the world, use London as a base to travel through Europe and South America. I really wanted to cover the World Cup rugby and the World Cup cricket that year. It was in 1999. I managed to accomplish that. And then I did something stupid and I fell in love with a British woman who broke my heart and (laughs) I wanted to escape from the UK. Uh, And rather than go back to Australia, I decided, you know what, the land of opportunity is what they say America is. So I'm going to head over there and see what I can do. And from there, I I created a, a PR company. I interviewed uh, movie stars. Um, I quit drinking, <laughs> uh, created a 30-day no-alcohol challenge, got into health yep. and fitness, started following you and Bulletproof Radio. And things have just you know, looked a lot rosier uh, since, you know, since my early days. So I just, my motivation really is just to explore the world. I'm interested in different cultures, different things. And lately, I've been very much um, focused on health. It, it's amazing what happens when you quit drinking. And I, I wasn't going to go there. I want to get into your, your, your story, and I was going to talk to you about alcohol later. But let's, let's just kind of we'll, – we'll get to your, to your career stuff and sort of how you got into, into interviewing celebrities and all because I think that you've got a few tidbits that everyone who listens to Bulletproof Radio can really benefit from there because you, you had a few hacks there. But let's just switch gears. Let's just talk about alcohol because that's the big thing. I, like you, I'm like, look, I want alcohol to be a health food. Like, it would be great, right? But I will tell you flat out <laughs> that I don't think it's a health food. It, I think it's enjoyable. But if you're going to tell yourself, I'm doing this for my health, no, you're taking a hit when you drink. You just are. And it might be a small hit. And you can make the hit smaller. You can own that. And it's a bigger hit for some people than others. But it's unlikely in the net-net balance of things to improve the quality of, of your energy, to improve the quality of your metabolism or anything else, especially if you do it on a regular basis. That's always been my bulletproof perspective Beer is different than vodka. I'll tell you, vodka is better. I'll tell you how to turn it off. But end of the day, if you go without it for a while, things open up. What happened when you went 30 days without alcohol and why'd you do it? Yeah, well, I mean, I was a, a social drinker, you know, and I grew up in an Australian culture, which is always like, get drunk on your Fast 18th does. birthday, drink beer <laughs> with the guys when you're playing rugby or watching sport and drink champagne to celebrate and have a bottle of wine over a romantic dinner. And so I grew up in that, in that culture and, and, you know, right through my late 20s, early 30s, I would consider myself a social drinker. I, I never considered myself an, an alcoholic, but I was a social drinker. I had a few drinks during the week, and then on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, I'd turn it on, maybe get drunk um, sometimes. On a Sunday, if it was football season, the NFL, I'd knock back four or five beers, and I just got 
tired of feeling tired. Yeah. Like I just kind of got sick and tired of the, of the hangovers. And even if I didn't have like a hangover where you've like your head is in your hand and you're going, oh my God, I'm so struggling right now. Even if it wasn't that, it was always just a little bit of irritability the next day. So I might wake up after a couple drinks only on a Thursday or Friday night, but I'd just feel irritable or I'd sleep in just a little bit more or I was just a little bit more sluggish. And I found I got to about 35 and I'd put on about 20 pounds of fat that just creeped up on me. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. So about five years ago, um, I just... I just was feeling mediocre yeah. in every way. Like I didn't have high energy. I, my sleep was pretty poor. I was carrying a few extra pounds. And I remember I was at South by Southwest at the festival in Austin, Texas in March of 2010. And I woke up in this hotel just on the outskirts of, of Austin. And for whatever reason, I had a really bad hangover. I'd only had a couple of gin and tonics the night before, but I don't know, I must've been dehydrated. And I was in this international house of pancakes right next door to the hotel um, having this hangover breakfast. And I looked at the bright, bold colors of the, of the photos of the food that they have on these IHOP menus. And I looked to the left and the right of me and there were these huge overweight people pigging out on these all-you-can-eat pancakes with maple syrup. And I was just like, oh, I just feel so ordinary Have you seen right their now. new, they have like a pancake smoothie where they put the pancakes and the syrup in the blender and then you can just drink it. And it's so much <laughs> faster and more convenient. It's a great biohack. <laughs> okay, no, they don't. That's how you want to put on 20 pounds <laughs> they don't really, really quickly. Have it, sorry. I, just, I, I like the image, though, because I, I'm with you there. So you're at IHOP, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah, I was in IHOP, and I was like, you know what? i got to take a yeah. break. I just want to take a break. And just to be, to be clear, I wasn't an alcoholic. I was just a yeah. social drinker, but I was just sick and tired of this, this mediocre feeling. And so I just said to myself, I wonder if I can go 30 days. And so I just set myself a goal. I'm going to try and go 30 days without drinking. I haven't gone that, that long in my adult life since I started drinking. Let's see if I can do it. So that was really my motivation. I didn't know how long I was going to go for when I started, but I'll tell you what happened. Um, after 30 days, I'd lost 13 pounds of fat. My skin got a lot better. My sleep improved. I had more energy. Um, I started uh, attracting uh, a higher caliber of person into my life, if that makes sense. I just started sort of associating with people who were more health conscious I started waking up on a Saturday and Sunday morning wanting to go to the gym, wanting to go and exercise. All of a sudden, I started reading about things like paleo that I didn't understand before or um, you know, the benefits of good fats that you're a big proponent of, obviously, with your bulletproof diet. I mean, there were all these things that just opened up to me because I just quit the drinking for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, I went, you know what? I feel so damn good. Let's see if I can keep going. So I did. I ended up I went to 40 days. I went, I wonder if I can do 50. I went to 50. I said, I wonder if I can do 60. And after 90 days, I was like, oh my God, I just feel like a, like a superman. I'm, I'm energetic. My relationships have improved. I'm sleeping better. People are complimenting me on my looks for the first time in a few years. And I was like, I'll just keep going. And so I got to one year. I was back in Austin. I went into the Luster Pearl Bar to, and I ordered a Budweiser to celebrate this one year with, uh, without alcohol, I took, a, uh, I took a smell of it rather and it smelled really good and I was going to take a sip but something stopped me. I just put it back and I said, you know what, give me a water instead and I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since. So it's been, uh, it's been almost six wow. years now that I haven't, haven't touched alcohol. I have a, a rule. I'll drink it if it's older than me usually. 
Uh, you know, like like I will pay probably more than the average person. Like some of the unfiltered yeast in wine it causes an immune reaction in me. So I, I don't feel that great. But if it's really good wine, like, all right, I'll do it. And I'll do it once every 60 days max. And I'll take a bunch of supplements like the Bulletproof Activated Charcoal and go to time. And I can generally manage my body's response to the alcohol. And I, it's quite enjoyable. It, it tastes delicious. But I'm not getting antioxidants that are worth a crap because I take 100 milligrams of transversferitrol every day, which is approximately like 10,000 bottles worth of wine. I have no idea if that number is right, but it's on that order of magnitude. So like, there's no right. self-deception that I'm doing myself any favors there. It was better than going to McDonald's and eating their like, you know, crap fried french fries and whatever other stuff they have there, but it wasn't a favor. And, and like... There was a time in my life where I wouldn't have even done that. I went several years without doing that because I would feel like crap for three or four days if I did it because my immune system was overactive. So that said, I know guys who are like, you know, I, I, I could run a triathlon. I'm super strong. I could eat. I could drink six beers and eat pizza and I feel great. And, you know, gluten is only for celiacs and blah. And, and they go on all this stuff. But then, like, they're still not anywhere near what they're capable of doing. They're holding themselves back nutritionally and with alcohol but they don't know it. How do you get people to see that they were doing what you were doing to yourself? Yeah, I mean, it, I actually gave this talk at your yeah. conference in Pasadena, it, it awesome. the Bulletproof Conference, which was, yeah, thank you, which was, you know, is one drink a day holding yeah. you back or is one drink a day slowly killing you? Because here's the thing, even if you consider yourself just a social drinker, okay, and you just have one drink a day, just say you come home from work, you have a glass of wine just to take the edge off. Maybe you have a beer. Maybe you have a couple beers. Here's the thing. That's enough for you. That's enough to disrupt your sleep just a little bit. And when your sleep is disrupted just a little bit, you wake up just a little bit irritable. And when you wake up just a little bit irritable, you're more inclined to snap at your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your kids. So your relationships start to suffer just a little bit. And if you leave home just a little bit later because you're just a little bit irritable, then maybe you're not showing up at work on time. Maybe you're not doing your job to the best that you can. If you run a business, maybe you're not as energetic and as focused and as clear-minded as you can be than if you didn't have that one drink the night before. So that's costing you money. Maybe you don't get a promotion at work, so it's costing you money. Maybe you don't make sales in your business, which is costing you money. Maybe you, because you're just a little bit irritable and you're just a little bit foggy after that drink the night before, you're more inclined to have a crappy breakfast. Maybe you duck into Starbucks and have a cookie or you go to McDonald's or maybe you have a sugary food. And that is enough to just give you a little bit of extra pounds over your waist, which makes you just a little bit fatter, which makes you sleep worse, which makes you earn less money, which makes you more irritable, and it's just this perpetual cycle. So one drink is all it takes for you just to be a little bit off, and that can affect your finances, your relationships, your health, your, your looks, because alcohol is a poison, and when you, when you put that poison into your body, you look weathered, like you, the crow's feet or the lines on your skin start to be more pronounced. So um, again, I'm not saying that alcohol is the devil and you should never drink alcohol ever. But if you have a habit, just a habit of just one drink a day or a few drinks on the weekend, then maybe you're not living your life in an optimum 
optimum level. I gave an interview for a big tech magazine uh, a while back about anti-aging, and, and I've, a lot of people don't know this, but I've run an anti-aging research group for more than a decade uh, as its chairman or president and, and met a lot of the people who taught me biohacking who are looking to heal aging, like this age-old quest for immortality thing. A lot of the transhumanists, uh, I'm an adjunct professor at the Singularity Institute, uh, which has a lot of, a lot of this kind of uh, thinking there. And I, I believe very firmly that aging itself is, is death by a thousand cuts. Where there isn't one mm. giant cause of aging. There's many little things that kind of chip away at your resilience and at your, your biochemical right. pathways. And so what you do is, is you try to have less of the things that make you weak and try to have more of the things that make you strong. And if right. some marketing company has told you that alcohol, or someone who just has wishful self-deception, there's a lot of that out there, they're gonna, oh, well, I want alcohol to be good for you, so I'm gonna like like torture the data until there's a way to say it's good for you. I'm gonna make up this antioxidant thing in alcohol, and I'm gonna find this one study that says it shifts your gut biome or whatever. You can justify whatever behavior you want, including like slavery and wife beating, if, if you wanna torture the data enough. It's called self-deception. So you're you're going to to go out there and you're gonna promote this message but then what's, going, what's happening there is, is you're teaching people who believe in doing things every day to move the needle in the right direction, that they're moving the needle in the right direction when they're clobbering themselves over the head softly, but still clobbering themselves over the head. Right. So I made a commitment when I started Bulletproof. I'm like, look, here's what different alcohols do to you. Here's why they're bad for you. Here's the biochemical pathways. And then on the Bulletproof alcohol infographic, here's what to do about it. So if you're going to do it, at least don't deceive yourself that you're doing yourself a favor by having a drink. It's just not that way. Yeah, you know, I, I, I created a program called 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge, and I teach people in this about how the liquor companies and the beer companies are actually marketing to us to try and get us to drink their product, right? So just, um, I mean, you, you think about all the TV commercials you watch um, when you're watching a football game, for example, Dave, right? They portray these happy beautiful people having fun or acting cool and sophisticated. Or if you're watching like a, an NFL game, you'll have cause or Budweiser commercials where you've got goofy guys having fun and then there's really beautiful girls in the ads. And it's just, it's portraying this image that if you want to be part of the tribe, then you're going to drink our product. If you want to have fun, then you're going to drink our product. They've got these ad campaigns now with Hollywood celebrities. I mean, George Clooney um, is pushing this tequila now. And there's a big billboard on Sunset Boulevard with George Clooney um, riding a motorcycle. And he looks very cool and very sophisticated and very handsome. But the, the whole imagery behind it, what's going on there is if you want to be cool and sophisticated and handsome like George Clooney, drink this product. I, I totally missed it. I, and, I thought it meant like you have to be drunk to ride a motorcycle. I, I, I totally had it back. <laughs> okay, cool. I, <laughs> I see what you did there, Dave. Very clever. <laughs> So these companies, they're pushing this idea like that champagne should be associated with celebrations like weddings. Well, well who ever actually invented the idea that to celebrate you have to drink champagne? I'll tell you who, who invented it, a marketing company behind a champagne company. Um, who, put, who says that you have to drink beer to watch sporting games? Well, the beer, the beer companies, of course. Who says that you have to have a bottle of wine over a romantic dinner? The wine companies, that's who. Like, so the truth is you can enjoy all of these activities without the alcohol and you can live a life filled with celebration and joy and energy and clarity without 
the alcohol. Because when you drink, you're not actually drinking for pleasure. You're actually drinking just to relieve you of your alcohol withdrawal. Because alcohol is a highly addictive drug. And when it passes out of your system, it leaves you wanting more, like hunger. And so then you feel like you're craving a drink. But you're not actually craving the drink for pleasure. You're craving it to relieve you of your craving. It's funny. I remember going back like, geez, almost 20 years. I was at this company called Exodus Communications. This was the, the company that hosted Google's first server when Google was just like, like a baby company uh, and a bunch of Yahoo's stuff and like, like kind of the, the foundational big brands you know on the internet, Facebook, all that. They all used our stuff and like, like it, was, it was a cool time. And we had a, the best month ever. So the sales team went out to the, the local Mexican food place to, to celebrate and I went by and I got a triple latte. I still drank milk in my coffee. I didn't know any better. I was drinking coffee every two hours, so I keep crashing. Um, but I, and and I, I walk in there, and the head of sales goes, "Oh!" Like, like goes to take my coffee to hand me a beer, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "I want my coffee." Like, <laughs> like what the heck? And even back then, I'd recognize that like I enjoy beer and wine and all, but like it takes it out of me the next day. And I was running at such a career path, yeah. a career pace that I was like. Kind of, I felt socially awkward because you know they're like trying to like say, "Don't drink what makes you feel good." You know, drink this, and, and there was peer pressure there, especially among salespeople. Salespeople just drink themselves under the table usually. What do you do in a situation like that where you're like, "Okay, I'm, I'm not going to drink," or you know, "I'm going to choose something else"? Like, how do you approach that now? Yeah, you know, it's the it's the biggest question that I get. Funnily enough, when people learn about the fact that I don't drink, when people come into the 30 day no alcohol challenge, they're always saying. Hey, how do you socialize without drinking? You know, how do I, how do we do this? Because I would I just feel uncomfortable out in a group of people, and I'm the only person not drinking. Here's what I do. Um, first thing, I just commit that I'm going to have the most fun and be the most personable person at whatever social function or gathering I'm about to attend, and I'm going to do it while sipping on soda water or water ice and a piece of lime. So I just make a commitment. It is as simple as that. I'll walk in and I'll go, Dave, how you doing? James Swanick, nice to meet you. Have you met my friend Tina? Tina, meet John. John, meet Chris. How you doing? Tell me your story. And I'll start to just take a very genuine interest in other people. I start to, to initiate people skills, if you like. I'm not relying on the crutch of alcohol to loosen up and to feel free and to feel like I belong in the conversation. I'm just relying on people skills, self-assurance, confidence to be able to engage people. So the first thing is very much a mentality. It's I'm going to have the most fun here. And let me tell you, Dave, I go to parties. I mean, you and I have been at a party. We went to Jim Quick's party a year ago. There's an open bar. People are drinking. I mean, a lot of times people actually think I'm drunk because I'm just having a good time. I'm energetic. I mean, I'm having good conversations with people. I'm smiling. I'm laughing. People don't even know that I'm not drinking. It's so, so simple. So first thing is, is just commit. The second thing is, is that whenever anyone asks you, can I get you a drink? What would you like to drink? Just repeat these words. Yes, please. I'll have a water, ice, and a piece of lime, please. And that's it. Or you can just change it to whatever your favorite non-alcoholic drink is, like give me a soda water with a splash of cranberry, whatever. But just repeat that because when you go into a restaurant and you sit down, what happens? The waiter comes over or the waitress and says, hi, can I get you started with some drinks? And of course, they're trying to sell you their alcoholic product, right? They're trying to get you to buy drinks. It's going to double your tab, right? It's going to double your tab. So I smile and I say, yes, please. 
I'll have a water, ice, and a piece of lime, please. And they'll say, okay, sure, no problem. And they bring it over to me. Guess what? I haven't committed to paying for a $15 cocktail. I haven't bought a bottle of wine. My tab's going to be half or two-thirds less at the end of the meal. And I'm drinking something that's healthy for me. Um, the other thing is, is make a joke about the fact that you're not drinking. If someone actually sees that you're not drinking or starts to mock you or makes fun of you, first of all, that rarely happens. But even if it does, just make a joke about it. Just say, yeah, I'm going to get drunk on this water tonight. I'm going to swing from the rafters tonight. Look out, I'm going to go crazy on this soda water tonight. And just make a joke about it. Because when people see that you don't care that you're not drinking and that you're confident and you say it with a little cheeky smile and a little cheeky grin, no one can make fun of you. Nobody cares. So, so three things there. Just commit to having the most fun. Two, always just when you walk into a bar, just go up and order a water, ice, piece of lime. It's a delicious drink. And third, when anyone ever points out that you're not drinking, just make a joke about it. Just say, yeah, I'm not drinking at the moment, but I'm going to get drunk on this water instead. And when you do that, people just relax. People don't care. It's, it's an absolute fallacy that people are judging you for not drinking. It just doesn't happen. There's a line that, that I found works really, really well. I, I just tell people that I, I'm really looking to avoid benign alcohol-induced testicular atrophy. <laughs> now, <laughs> it takes people, especially if they've had a couple of drinks, you see? it takes them a minute to unpack that. And, and, and when they unpack it, they just realize that you kind of just <laughs> insulted them to their face because they're drinking. Uh, but it took them long enough that they feel but, stupid. But look, you just cracked a joke. <laughs> you just cracked a joke. You made a lighthearted yeah, exactly. comment. Nobody cares. Yeah. People are all like, oh, I'm going to be ostracized from the group if I don't drink. A nonsense. Yeah. What I like to do sometimes as well, and I, I teach this to people in my 30-day no alcohol challenge program all the time. I say just point to your head and go, I'm too strong in mind. I'm too strong in mind. And just say it with like a little you cheeky You have to have a cool grin. accent too because it sounds cooler when you say it. Let me hear your uh, Australian I, I, accent, I'm, Dave. I want to hear it. Let's I, I don't see what think you I can do Australian. I'm, I'm too strong in mind. <laughs> I don't think I have it down. I mean, that was an excellent Sri Lankan <laughs> accent, but could you do an Australian accent I, now? <laughs> I don't think I, I... The only thing I can, I can say, Americur. Uh, I've got that down. Other than that, I don't think I quite have the, the Aussie thing down. <laughs> <laughs> my, my Australian friends, when I go back to... I was actually back in Australia for, for Christmas, just gone, and they accuse me of having an American accent because I start to pronounce my R's a little bit more. I'll, self, I'll say things like, sure, <laughs> or I'll say things like, um, there you go, or you know what? This is, this is how Australians mock America, <laughs> Americans a little bit. We say these phraseology like, you know what? You know what? I'm like, what? Because every American loves to say, you know what? And the other thing is like, sure. And the other thing is, um, uh, there you go. Like, there's all, there's all this kind of encouragement like, there you go. Nice. Nice. You're doing it. Nice. <laughs> Americans are probably listening to me now going, this is just the worst impersonation of an American accent anyway. May I just stress as well that I am a dual citizen, so I am American and I love this, this wonderful country and, and um, I, I appreciate uh, America wonderfully. So I'm just making a little joke at my, at my, my uh, naturalized country's my, expense. My brother-in-law <laughs> is also from Australia and when he puts on his American accent, it's screamingly funny. So I don't think any American is going to doubt. And besides, like, what is an American accent? Like, you know, there's the surfer, hey, dude, all the way down to, you know, South Carolina. So we're a mixing pot, always have been. And there's more than a few criminals here, too. So it's cool. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> all right. 
We're all, I'm, I'm descended from convicts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we, we got no problems with that. Now, I think we talked about alcohol pretty well, but the, the sort of elephant in the room, especially for people who are on the YouTube channel, by the way, bulletproofexec.com slash YouTube, you can sign up and get all this cool stuff. If you were watching us right now, you would recognize that not only is James Wanick a, a, a profoundly attractive man, he's wearing these glasses that amplify his attractiveness in a way that you could only describe as orange. Uh, because you're, you're wearing orange <laughs> glasses right now, which, which is a, a biohack that I've been a fan of for years. Uh, and and I've, I've talked about, uh, I think, before it was cool, and you're actually making it cool. So tell me about the glasses you're wearing right now. <laughs> Yeah, so these are blue blocking glasses. Um, you know, about a year ago, I had a friend of mine. I mean, first of all, I actually saw you wearing your kind of orange yeah. tinted glasses about 18 months ago, and I never really delved into it too much. I just thought there's some biohack going on with Dave, and that's cool. He's just the, the weird bulletproof guy, and that's all right. <laughs> I don't really understand it. And then I was out to dinner with a friend of mine uh, in Palm Springs about a year ago, and he was wearing these really ugly oh, safety goggles. Oh, those are so gnarly. I have those too, yeah. Yeah, with, the, with the, uh, the orange lens in them. And I'm like, and it was 8 o'clock at night. We're sitting down for dinner. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are you wearing? And he's like, oh, I'm wearing blue blocking glasses. You know, they, they stop the, the blue light. So uh, it'll, it's going to help my sleep. And that was interesting. So I, I did ask him about that. But before I did, I said, but mate, what are you doing? You're wearing ugly glasses. We're out to dinner. We're out here with some pretty girls. Like, oh, the chicks dig it, man. Take those I, I, they love that. When you have those big, like, monobrow <laughs> goggles, it's, it's totally the thing. <laughs> I said to him, mate, take those damn things off. And he's like, no. Anyway, over dinner, he explained it to me. He explained the yeah. benefits of, of, of wearing blue blocking glasses. And essentially, it's this um, blue light is emitted from your cell phone from your laptop computer, from your, uh, from your iPad, from any electrical device that has a display, there's blue light coming out of that display. Now, in the daytime, that's okay. But at nighttime, when your body wants to create melatonin so you can fall asleep at night, looking at your cell phone in bed at nighttime, in the dark, looking at your computer at nighttime, an hour and a half, two hours before you go to sleep is damaging your sleep patterns because what that blue light does is that it keeps your brain alert it keeps your brain activated and it prevents the creation of melatonin which helps you fall asleep increases the quality of your sleep reduces your risk of cancer um, regulates your hormones so if you are if you are listening to this right now uh on your cell phone and it's nighttime and you're looking at the display on your cell phone, you are basically disrupting your sleep. If you are watching this on YouTube at the moment on Dave's channel and it's nighttime, then the blue light that is hitting your eyes right now is disrupting your sleep. So what I did was, uh, there was a problem, Dave, and that was I didn't want to wear ugly safety goggles out to dinner where there were girls looking at me and other guys. I want, I'm just vain enough that I kind of wanted to look stylish wearing blue blocking glasses. Shocking. And, so, <laughs> and so what I did was I put the blue blocking lens, these orange lens, into as stylish a frame as I could come up with. Um, they're kind of like reading glasses. So now I can wear them out in social occasions, out to dinner at nighttime, a couple of hours before I go to sleep. And now people go, oh, they're interesting. Tell me about those. As opposed to, what the hell are you wearing I think you're, right now? You're understating the problem. And I, I've been studying light in the brain since 
1997 when I started using infrared lights to stimulate parts of my brain, like by shining them through the scalp, which is why I have my you know custom-made orange glasses, uh, which are actually an, a vintage pair of Oakley titanium frames that they're based on. Uh, and it's nice. uh, it just like I had the, the custom tint made specifically for my brain as well as to block the blue light because I, I noticed the difference in my sleep performance. And so I, I love that you made these things. But the reason I say the problem is worse than that is it's not just uh, computers and laptops and, and screens like this. It's that LED light bulbs are five times more suppressive of melatonin than incandescent bulbs. And in the last two years, the amount of right. light pollution in cities around the world, because they all switched to LED lights all over the place, has just skyrocketed. And you look at like satellite photos of the Earth from two years ago versus now, like it's, it's a really big issue for humans everywhere. And it's linked to cancer. So I have a two-prong strategy. I use uh, blue blocking glasses, I, and you do something else that's, that's actually cognitively interesting. You have, and you can see it when people go to the YouTube channel uh, for Bulletproof, when they look at you, you've got a bluish anti-reflective glare on them. And that's actually a glare protective shield. So when you reduce glare, you reduce the amount of energy your brain uses to sort out reflections from what's going on. So the anti-glare coating is, is also a cognitive enhancing benefit for you. But what I do is, is I'll, I'll use uh, my custom lenses, but Thank on you. my laptop, on my iPad, on my phone, I have the Zentech screen protector. This is something that I make, you know, full disclosure. You know, we both have products in this space. Neither one of us is here to sell, yeah. but we'll just talk about what we do. Mm -hmm. I made this because I didn't always wear my glasses at night. <laughs> so all of my electronics have... Uh, this on them, and it it's not an orange coating. You can't even see it's on there, but it's blocking the narrow spectrum of blue that causes the most damage, the, the stuff that suppresses melatonin the most. And that's not enough, though, because if you cover your screens, you know, before bed, if you're looking at your phone to set your alarm clock or do whatever, it's going to get you. And if you're not wearing blue-blocking glasses at night, whatever lights you have are going to affect your melatonin. And if you're like most people, you have fluorescent or even worse, LED lights, they're going to completely turn off melatonin for four hours. So you got to have something over your eyes and something over your electronics. And that's the strategy that I follow at home. It's funny. Um, since we started using electric lighting, it was like, what, 120 years ago, 125 years ago, we're, we're always in this artificial light, yep. like constantly. Before that, it was candlelight. Now we're in this artificial light. So that's put a huge strain on our bodies, on our hormones, on our sleep patterns. It's, ch it's essentially just changed our whole genetic makeup, really. Um, you think about it. If you go, even um, if you live in a cold climate, let's just say you're on the East Coast and the sun goes down, the sun gets up at like 7, 7.30, it goes down at like 5, 4.35 uh, in the peak of winter, there's actually a chance that you will be constantly in that overhead lighting all day without actually going out and getting sunlight which, is all, which also helps your circadian rhythm and also helps you the, the creation of melatonin, and that you're just sitting indoors all day under that strobe lighting, underneath that fluorescent lighting, that's causing a hell of a lot of damage to you. The, the fact that um, you know, it's too cold to go outside, so you stay inside, you've got these big overhead lights, that's disrupting your melatonin production. It's disrupting your sleep. And even if you get seven or eight hours sleep and you go, well, I got seven or eight hours sleep, it's not necessarily the deepest sleep you can get. It's not necessarily the highest quality of sleep you can get because you were looking at your cell phone in the half an hour before bed or 
you had these overhead lights mm-hmm. in your bedroom or your living room on before you went to sleep. There's a, a famous book that really first informed me about this years ago. It's called Lights Out. I want to say it was around 2003, 2004. I, I could be off by a couple of years. I met the author of the book at a, at a medical conference because, well, I go to medical conferences for fun, even though I worked in tech. Why would I do that? Uh, anyhow, this book was, was one-third references, and it flat out said, look, when you have bright lights at night, it causes cancer. And what I realized then, and I still yeah. believe to this day, is that light is a drug. And just like we have real foods and fake foods, we have the same thing going on with light. And the difference in light, though, is that the natural forms of light that we evolved to work with at the right time of day are what us engineers call analog sources of light. This means light that doesn't blink on and off really rapidly. So there's only a few ways to get that. Uh, number one is sunlight. <laughs> uh, number two is fire, and kerosene lanterns and whale oil lanterns and you know all the things that we've used for that. Uh, and then we have the incandescent light bulb, which doesn't flicker. It actually glows, right? They can flicker a little bit, but it's not a rhythmic flicker, even if the power that comes there is there. And then we have halogen lights. And, and after that, for the most part, when we get to fluorescent lights, when we get to LED lights, when we get to all the other more exotic forms of light, all of those are basically digital, unnatural forms of light where we've separated out specific frequencies. And the energy-efficient lights are lacking huge parts of the spectrum that affect our biology because light's a drug. So what we've done is we've taken natural, normal light that our bodies can make sense of at the right time of day, and we've turned it into this artificial thing that increases visual stress, increases uh, the amount of energy it takes uh, for your brain to see it. And the real damage here, and I may be preaching to the choir here, uh, given that I'm interviewing you, but this stuff, I really care about this. Blue light, the stuff your glasses are blocking, it increases oxidative stress on the cell membrane in your eyes and on the rest of your body. And it doesn't send a signal to repair the oxidative damage, which is what happens when you're exposed to outdoor light. You get sunlight and you get this this, um, blue color. So what you end up with is over the course of the next 20 years, we're creating this huge epidemic of macular degeneration. Like we're wrecking everyone's eyes with these LED lights everywhere, with these fluorescent lights everywhere. And no one's done the long-term testing. And when you do look at the data, you're like, People who spend the most time under fluorescent lights get melanoma, not the people who spend the most time outside. Like the data is in and it sucks, which is why your glasses are a really good idea. So where are we going to be in 20 years if we don't, if we don't it, block this blue light, Dave? I mean, look, if, I, if we go back to um, cigarette smoking, right? Like it was cigarette smoking was okay right up until the 60s when all of a sudden there was public awareness on this and then gradually over time, Obviously, now we're aware of the, 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 ram- the health ramifications of smoking cigarettes. Like, how long is it going to take, do you think, or where are we going to be in 20 years if we keep up this constant use of cell phones, computer screens, laptops, overhead lighting, if we don't block the blue light? Blue light, one of the many things it does, aside from increasing your cancer risk, it also lowers your fertility when you get blue light at night. Like, it messes with the core hormones that make you who and what you are. So we're already seeing a mm. rapid decline in human fertility, and we're seeing a rapid increase in, in birth defects and autism and, and things like that, which is scary. The fact that one in eight couples is having a hard time conceiving at any age should be kind of scary. And wow, what, what does that mean? Well, I, what I think we're looking at is we're looking at a wave of cancer, which, well, funny, we're already seeing that, a wave of diabetes, what we're already seeing that, mm-hmm. and a wave of people who have serious vision impairment as they age. Uh, 
because they're burning their eyes out staring mm. at these bright LED and fluorescent light sources, these plasma TVs. So what's, what would I do? I would invest in things that are treatments and cures for macular degeneration because we're going to need a lot of that stuff. And if you're worried about this yourself, and damn it, you should be worried about this. I'm not a big fan of fear-mongering worry at all, but if you're not paying attention to this, like you're not paying attention, period, because if you can't see, that's really, really bad for your ability to make a living, which if you can't make a living, well, how are you going to do all the things that you like to do and all the things that keep you strong? Like it, it is a substantial risk. So if you're paying attention to this stuff, you'll, you take extra antioxidants, you take things that support your eyes, and then you wear appropriate color filters to keep the junk light out. You wouldn't go eat at a junk food restaurant, yet you're allowing junk light into your eyes. I don't think it makes sense. Now that said, maybe I'm not actually living that because guess what's shining on me right there? You can't see it, but I have studio lighting that's color tunable and it's LED based. And I can tell you right now that there's visual stress coming in on this side of my eyes because this light is the wrong color spectrum for my eyes. But I only do this when I'm recording. And after that, there's not an LED bulb in my house unless it's a red LED bulb. And I wear my, my filters yeah. at night. And in fact, most of the day, yeah. I'm wearing my Erlen lenses, which is a custom tint that's uh, specifically for my eyes that filters out stuff that my brain has a hard time processing. So I feel like I'm covering it and I'm taking a hit. Just like our conversation about alcohol, like, like I minimize my exposure to bad light. Because over the course of the next 100, 140 years or so that I expect to live, and I'm not kidding about that either, I'm going to want my eyes. It just comes out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, you know, it's, it's, I only became aware of this yeah. a year ago, like I said. And um, as soon as I started blocking the blue light, my sleep improved again. And yeah. I actually tested it. It wasn't like a placebo. There's that app called Sleep sure. Cycle where you can actually test how you sleep. I tested it um, for a week without wearing the blue blocking glasses. And then I tested it again and my sleep improved dramatically. I mean, I could just see it there. Not only that, I just felt better. Like my eyes weren't strained. I had less headaches. I'm not that I really suffered from headaches that much, but just, you know, that little irritable strain that you get when you've been on the computer too long or you've been staring at you. Uh, It's there for almost everyone, but it's subliminal. And you're you're aware of it because you started paying attention to your body and, and you're curious and interested. The vast majority of people will tell you, I don't have an issue. And then you put glasses on them and they're like, oh, now I see it. Like mm. when you get the right color filters on, I've seen this countless times, especially working with Helen Erlen, where there's people who have more visual challenges than others uh, processing light. And they're like, I got my life back. Uh, my buddy Abel James, uh, he did the, the Erlen. Fat burning the, man, the, yeah. Fat burning man. He did the custom filter thing after I, I introduced him to Helen. And he's like, I got 25% of my brain back. And so it, it's like, all people yeah. need to do is put on a, a pair of Swannies, right? And you're like, wait, I didn't know I could feel this good. And the whole premise of Bulletproof is like, you don't know what you feel like when you're Bulletproof. Like, try Bulletproof coffee and see what it feels like to have enough energy in your brain for once. You're like, oh, try some glasses, right? Try, try on Swannies and see what happens. And what you'll find is you wear them for 15 minutes and you're like, I feel strangely relaxed. And like, yeah, that's like the normal state. Where you were before was actually stressed, but you didn't know it. Because stress is what you learned is normal, and it was wrong. Right? So I, I fully will tell people, yeah. everyone, give it a try. It's easy. Yeah, and thank you as well. You introduced me to, to Helen, and I actually went down oh, there to Long Beach and, and met with her and talked about this, this technology before I actually designed uh, the Swanee's glasses. 
So thank you for that introduction. And Abel James as well, fat-burning man, I know him. He spoke yep. at your conference um, uh, a year ago. But yeah, I mean, look, only good things can come from it. And if you're just vain enough like I am, then you know, put on a stylish pair because you don't want to be walking down the street wearing big, ugly safety goggles because people are going to look yep. at you and call you weird. Uh, it's it's true, and and you know they might call you weird for wearing uh, wearing orange glasses. It it doesn't matter, and and something that happened to me in in my uh, my orange glasses, which will I'll never forget, and it, it's too funny of a story not to tell. So through um, just just random occurrence, I, I got uh, an invitation. My, my friend Nam Lay, who's a, a world champion poker player, um, called me up. I know, Do you Nam. know Nam. Yeah, so, Nam's Nam, awesome. Nam's just a yeah, no, no, he's a great guy. I actually, he's actually in my thirty-day no alcohol oh. challenge. He actually was teaching about how he quits alcohol when he plays poker and how the uh, he's made millions yeah. of dollars just from from quitting alcohol. He's, so he's so, super yeah. bulletproof and uh, and, and a, a coaching client and and just a, a friend, like, like one of the guys who's who's helping to support bulletproof. Uh, so great guy. Yeah. He he like does everything possible to turn his brain on when he's going to go play because it gives him this advantage. So of course. You know he's going to pay attention to alcohol because, like, you know, if the other guys are drinking beer and you're not, you're going to have that edge, like that little decision-making thing you just thought about. Uh, so anyhow, Nam calls me up one day and says, "Hey, Dave, I've got an extra ticket for a celebrity poker tournament, like with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and all these Hollywood guys, half of whom I don't even know who they are." And I'm like, "That'd be cool. I want to go watch." And, and I get there and like, "Oh no, it's a ticket to play." And I'm like, I, "I'm not. I, I'm like, I played poker in college, but I, I think I can remember <laughs> what hand, you know, does what. But like, I, I'm totally not like a poker god. Uh, I'd like to have time for that, but I have little kids, right? So uh, I sit there and I'm wearing my orange glasses at, in like Hollywood Celebrityville, like at, at someone's house, and it's like you know, guys, security guards with guns, and the whole like Hollywood elite thing, which was awesome to see, and totally not my my area of expertise. And it turns out I'm the, the what do they call it, the chip leader at the end of the first round. I had the most chips because I'm playing right. without fear because yeah. I'm like, what am I going to do, lose fake charity money? Like, I'm just having fun. Like, oh, right. my God, I'm playing against, like, Larry David. Like, holy crap. Uh, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and like, there's Tebow. And, like, he just took some of my chips. And, like, like okay, I don't know about you, but this isn't, like, maybe you actually, you interview all these people. Maybe you're used to it. But for me, I'm, like, kind of, like, yeah. jaw-hitting the floor. And then I hear this guy like like behind me and, and over talking to his girlfriend. He goes, "Yeah, I think that's Bono," because I wear my sunglasses indoors and no one knows who I am. So the one time in my life I'm gonna be mistaken for a real celebrity. I was like, "Dude, this is funny." But that's what you get if you wear orange glasses. Nothing bad happens to you, even if you're amongst like really cool people, way cooler than you. Well, I was at the Golden Globes uh, earlier this year. I went to the after party, HBO oh, cool. after party and the Weinstein after party, and I met Elon Musk, yeah. the billionaire who's created Tesla, and he asked me about the glasses, and I explained them to, uh, to him, and he thought they were really cool. And then um, also, uh, what's that girl's name, that pop star? Uh, uh, used to date Justin Bieber. What's her name? Selena oh, wow. Gomez. That's it. Selena Gomez is like, what, what are those things? And I, I told her about them as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll get a couple – Couple of high-profile people who'll be wearing them soon, and the, we'll start to, to spread the word a little bit more. But you know, you do sometimes. People say, "Yeah, you look a little bit like Bono," but you look definitely a lot more like Bono than I do, Dave. So I'm not going to steal that. I'm a little taller, and, and I don't say "oi" very often, so I, I think there's a <laughs> there's a wide gulf between us uh, in terms of coolness. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think though that you'll see celebrities doing that, and something that that. I've I've had a chance to work as a, as a like a performance coach for a few celebrities. People spend a lot of time on camera, 
And one thing they all have in common is they're in dusty, bright, noisy environments for 12 hours a day and they need optimal brain performance and they need to look really good. So yeah. they're all like, okay, how do I get more energy into my body? How do I avoid inflammation because I want love handles? But between scenes, they will put on sunglasses to block the studio lights just to let their eyes and brain rest a little bit. There's absolutely like yeah. more awareness among celebrities because like your life sucks when you're filming a TV show. Like it just does. Yeah, well, I mean, I was a sports center anchor on ESPN, and I was, you know, when I was out there at ESPN and hosting the show, there's these big bright lights coming at yeah. you all day. Um, I didn't know about the technology back then. I wish I had because I'm sure I would have slept better and just felt better in general. But you're right. I mean, but but most importantly, just you've got to really think about the overhead lights just in your daily life. Like, just try to get outside and get daylight in the daytime. And at nighttime, just try to block the blue light as much as you can. Because um, circ- as you know, Dave, your circadian rhythm is what is going to keep you healthy, it, it right? It does. And, and it goes deeper than that, too. It's not like you live in isolation. I live on a 32-acre organic farm. There's bald eagles in my backyard. I got two species of owls. And you know what my exterior lighting looks like on my house? It's all red LED lights, which put out zero blue spectrum. They're all sea turtle friendly. I can see the ocean uh, over on Salt Spring Island, but I'm not close enough. For, I don't even think we have sea turtles here anyway. But whatever, I don't disrupt any wildlife. I, I don't draw insects to the house. I can see just fine with red lights. So can you. Above me right now, I have red or amber lights that come on at night. So my whole house is illuminated with lights that are friendly for my biology and friendly for the world around me. If we did that in our cities, instead of having these ridiculously bright blue-white streetlights, we'd actually all live longer, we'd have less accidents, we'd sleep better, we'd have less cancer, less heart disease. Like These are big societal issues. As a biohacker, like one of the things I'm here to do is let's build a world where we use technology that makes us stronger instead of technology that makes us weaker. Like The problem is whoever designed those lights, they didn't know any of this. Like someone somewhere might have known it, but yeah. no evil, nefarious person tried to make lights that make people weak. But as soon as we had enough lights and someone said these make us weak, then it created conflict. What would have been better to say, oh my God, what a market opportunity. Now we can make lights that make us strong because we know it. We've got to innovate around the creation of LED lighting to get rid of the harmful blue and increase the useful spectrums. Could we do that? Yes. But only if we acknowledge there's a problem and we stop spending money on things that make us weak. And that's why people are voting for quality food when they hear about what happens with industrial meat. Like, no, I want grass-fed meat or I'm just not having it, thank you. This is why this week Campbell's Soup just said, oh, actually, we do support GMO legislation because people won't buy stuff that's unlabeled. So we might as well just throw in the towel instead of fighting it, right? And we're seeing these industrial changes. The same thing has to happen with lighting. And by wearing, you know, your, I'm sorry, they're stylish, but they're still a little funny looking compared to, you know, untinted glasses. I know I've been wearing these things for 10 years, right? I'm with you there. But by doing that and by leading by example, James, I think you actually have a far bigger impact on the world than you probably are thinking about because the problem you're highlighting with those glasses is one of survival of our species and and feeling like yourself every day. And, And I think it really matters way more than people give it credit for. Well, thank you for your, your kind, supportive words, Dave. It means, means a lot. I appreciate that. And thank you for you leading the charge as well in everything you do. I mean, since I've been following you and got to know you, for, you know, in a, not just listening to your podcast, but also meeting you in, in person, you know, I've done Bulletproof Diet. I'm eating grass-fed beef. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm integrating all of these things in, into my life. And I, I just feel amazing because of it. Like my whole, 
when I quit that alcohol back in 2010 to now, I'm a completely yeah. different person. In fact, if you want to see the transformation, um, if you want to see the fat face, James, go to 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. There's actually a video of me with um, the Hollywood actress Jennifer Aniston from <laughs> Friends, and you can see there's a photo there. And I'm standing next to her. I'm at the Sundance Film Festival, and I'm sucking my gut in because I've got rolls of fat just pouring over my pouring over my my belt and you can see i've got this really puffy face i didn't know anything about paleo back then i didn't know anything about circadian rhythms i didn't know about the importance of getting direct sunlight i didn't know the importance of eating good fats or putting oil in my coffee and grass-fed but i had no clue and in that photo that you can see with me next to jennifer aniston i'm literally sucking my gut in trying to look as slim and as skinny as possible (laughs) But it, so if you want to see the difference, like just go there, 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. You can see my face. And then if you're watching this on the YouTube, you can see how I look now, which is probably about 28, 30 pounds slimmer, um, skin, much healthier yeah. looking, um, lots more energy, sleeping like a baby every night and, and just really positive. You know, that's the other thing. Like we talk about health a lot, but just spirituality and mindset is affected when you're unhealthy. Like if you're not sleeping properly, you're irritable. When you're irritable, you have a bad relationship. When you have a bad relationship, you get depressed. You tend to want to drink more, tend to want to eat crappier food. But if you're healthier and you're energetic and you've reduced your alcohol, again, I'm not saying you've got to quit alcohol forever. I'm just encouraging you to quit alcohol for 30 days. Take a 30-day no alcohol challenge, see what it's like, and then after that, just reduce Put on a pair of Swannies, blue blocking glasses, or don't spend so much time in overhead lights, or put a filter on your Zen on your phone. Zentech filter available at bulletproof.com. Zen- <laughs> there you go. Zentech filter. Use Dave's thing. You can use, you know, there's things like Flux. Yeah, do it all. all these Every one things. of them. Yeah. Just do it all. You will be so much happier. I mean, I'm just, I'm the happiest I've ever been because I'm, have focused on my health. And that, because I focus on my health, that translates into my mindset, which is a healthy mindset. You know, I'm, I'm grateful rather than, you know, thinking about what I don't have. Like it, it just, all you got to do is just reduce your alcohol, do a few of Dave's health hacks, and all of a sudden your whole mindset, uh, mindset shifts and everything just opens up to you. That, that's been my experience and, and it, was, it was profound enough that I, I felt obligated to share it with people who would care and there were more of them than I thought so I'm I'm with you I think we're, we're working towards the same thing which is like once you feel what you're capable of feeling at least a few times including after your 30 day new alcohol challenge like okay like this is a different level and you may drink you may not drink when you're done it, it doesn't really matter but at least now you know what's possible same same thing bulletproof diet there's two weeks where you don't eat anything on the suspect foods list so you feel what it's like to not have any of that and like Maybe it made no difference. Great. You're like one of the 2% of people who are like completely genetic supermen. You can eat whatever you want. You'll still pay for it when you're 80, but at least now it doesn't affect your performance. For the rest of us, it's a different degree <laughs> of effect. And, and so yeah. perfection, not required by either one of us, moving in the right direction makes a huge difference. And, and, that's, and that's what matters. It's an experiment. Yeah. Like, like I, I, work a lot, I work a lot with Ty Lopez. Oh, yeah. You know Ty. He's been on your show. You've oh. been on his. And he said to me the other day, he said, James, remember this phrase. He who experiments most wins. 
So all you got to do is just run experiments all day. Dave Asprey here is the king wow. of experiments, right? He'll run tests and experiments on himself till the cows come home. But just experiment. Do a one-week experiment, a 30-day experiment, like whatever. Just test it. Because the person who experiments most will, will have the keys to the kingdom, my friend. I, I need your help with Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> now, just yesterday, from when okay, we were filming we this, I, I posted on, on Facebook a quote from Jennifer Aniston in, in some entertainment magazine thing. I don't remember which one. And, and it was, what, which celebrity diets do you, think, do you think we should forget about or something like that? She's like, the Bulletproof Diet. Butter and coffee, whoever thought of that? That's such a disgusting idea. I never even tried it. And I'm like, woohoo, Jennifer Aniston's talking about bulletproof coffee. So I want to say thanks and send her some bulletproof coffee, but I just need her, her home phone number and address. Just kidding. I don't need it. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I, can get you, I can get you her manager and her, her publicist contact details after this. Yeah, I, I actually am going to send her a care package. And I'm sure that like on social by now, there were like a thousand likes on this. And, and it's like, hey, Jennifer, you got to try it one time. Come by Santa Monica because half your friends are there drinking bulletproof coffee. It actually works. Anyway, it, just, it made me laugh of all the celebrities you could have mentioned. Yesterday, Jennifer Aniston was talking about bulletproof coffee. And so I just big shout out. Thank you, Jennifer. Keep saying bulletproof coffee. I don't care what you say about it. Bulletproof coffee, spelled with a B. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, Jennifer Aniston, as well, for making me realize that I was a fat <laughs> bastard and that I needed to change my health and inspiring me to really do the 30-day no alcohol challenge. So maybe I should be sending her a thank you package as well, Dave, and say, listen, that photo that you took with me inspired me to quit alcohol for 30 days and set forth on a path to being optimum, at optimum and, health. Thanks, like Jennifer. Millions of people should, should send Jennifer a stick of butter to say thank you for all of her work in TV. Yes, and someone should send her a photo of me and her on, on my page, 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com, and say, hey, this guy's trying to thank you for making him lose, <laughs> for you inspiring him to lose 28 pounds. Right. Now, now we've gone down the path of insanity, uh, and we're up yes. at the end of the show. I'm glad you mentioned Jennifer Anderson, though, because it made me laugh. And... I got to ask you the question that I've asked every single person except like episode, I think, 77 or something. I don't remember. I forgot this one time, which was <laughs> terrible because I forgot my aniracetam, one of the smart drugs I like. Now, given all the stuff you know, your, all of your life experiences, if someone came up to you tomorrow, James, and said, hey, what are the top three things I should know if I want to kick more ass at everything I do? So I want to be a better human being. What do I need to know? Uh, double down on knowledge in general. So invest in knowledge. If there are programs out there, if there are gurus that help you with business or health, spend money, invest in that. Double down on your knowledge because that's what's going to help you. Uh, I would say learn how to speed read. So I read a book a day. Um, did, did Jim? Uh, Ty Lopez. Did actually, Jim Quick teach you that or who I'm taught sorry? you the speed reading? No, Ty Lopez okay, cool. actually taught me that. Yeah, I know Jim teaches um, memory and yeah. speed reading and things like that, but okay. Ty actually taught me that. Um, you can see how I do it. There's, actually, on my YouTube channel, James Swanick, there's actually a video that says how I read a book a day, so you can search for that. Uh, but, by want. the way, just um, let, because let me if you, you for one second. So you say James Swanick, which is I introduce you on stage, but I say James Swanwick when I'm here because I want people to spell your name right because they can't go to your URL unless they spell it right. So why don't you, why don't you spell it for them right now because I'm going to ask you to do it in a minute anyway. Yeah. Yeah, my last name is spelled Swanwick, right. so it's S-W-A-N-W-I-C-K, but the uh, the correct pronunciation is Swanick. It's the silent W, just, you know, like yeah. Warwick, 
Is the name Warwick? It's it's W A R W I C K. Right. I, I just want people to be able to so, find you. That's why I kind of like 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 over pronouncing the W because that that'll get people to your website. <laughs> anyway, I keep, keep going that. with your story. So yeah. I would say, yeah. So I would say first thing is double down on your knowledge. So invest in in knowledge. Double number two is learn how to speed read. So you can read a book a day or at least a few books a week because that's going to improve your knowledge as well. Um, and then the other thing, which is not really health-related, it's more kind of financial-related, um, I would say learn to manage your finances um, while you are traveling the world. Because what I did was in my early 20s, I went yeah. backpacking and across 40 countries, and I wasn't listening to stuff about finances and building wealth and saving and compound interest learn that stuff because I was too busy backpacking. Um, in the last five years, I've doubled down on learning that stuff and I'm just hitting myself on the head going, I should have been doing this 20 years ago. I should have been doing this when I was traveling. So um, if you want to create a great financial life for yourself, um, go and travel the world because it will give you great experiences, right? But as you're doing it, download podcasts like Dave's, like the Bulletproof Radio, like my podcast, the James Swanick Show, like Lopez, like people who are teaching business and do that at the same time. Because when you get to our age, I'm 40 now, Dave, and I assume I think you're in your 40s. Um, you're going to 43. You're going to you're going to really yeah. appreciate the fact that you put the time into it back in your younger years. Uh, amen. And by the way, if you double down on knowledge and you don't double down on travel, you're stupid. I, I, I waited till I was like like 30 to go travel the world. It's actually easier when you're younger, way easier and more fun too. So like, like it's as important as going to school is traveling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, travel, please. I mean, I, I go backpacking all the time. I, go, I, I went to Scandinavia for my 40th birthday. The people you meet, the cultures that you're exposed to, different ideas, thought processes, it just it changes, changes your whole life. So, uh, all right. So yeah. James Swanick, thanks for coming on Bulletproof Radio. And... People can find you at James Swanwick. That's jameswanwick.com. S W A N W I C K. Pronounce Swanwick. <laughs> and if you want to do the 30 day no alcohol challenge, you can go to 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com and I'll, I'll walk you through 30 days. A lot of people get stressed out, like, oh my God, I can't do 30 days. So if you join my membership group, you'll go into a closed Facebook group. I'm going to send you a video every day. There'll be hundreds of people around that are all doing their 30-day no-alcohol challenge who'll support you and encourage you, um, sharing their stories. And, um, yeah, and I'm also on in the podcast, The James Swanick Show, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter and social media at James Swanick. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate uh, being here again. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, you know what to do. Uh, head on out and check out some of James's work because it's really cool. And we talked about some really important stuff about light. Go to bulletproof.com and check out the Zen Tech filters that go on your phone. I believe it's really important to filter the things you look at the most and to filter the, everything that you look at, which is why having a good pair of glasses like that really pairs well with putting a filter on your phone. And that way you just know you've got your bases covered. I really believe that there's fundamental biological reasons that you should be doing this. The other thing you could do is you can head over to Instagram. I literally finally decided I'd have my own Instagram account because I take all kinds of pictures that never end up anywhere. They are now going up on Dave.Asprey. And of course, we have the standard Bulletproof account as well on Instagram. Follow both, but Dave.Asprey just went live like two days before I recorded this. 
Have a beautiful morning, evening, afternoon, day at work or commute or wherever else you are listening to this, hopefully on the top of a mountain, and I'll talk with you in another couple days. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.